You may have a seat. On the first Sunday of each month, we like to pause in the middle of our worship service and just spend some time in prayer together. Now, if you're new and you're like, is he gonna make me come up here and pray? No, I'm not. And if you're like, I don't even know how to pray, I'm gonna give real quick. If you want to pray, you bow your head, close your eyes, and you talk silently in your head to God. He can hear you. If you're like, I'm not sure I'm in for all that. I just came to check out who this Jesus guy is. You can do those first two steps and everybody will think you're praying. Just don't snore, all right? So that's how we're gonna, how we're gonna do this. I'm gonna give you some topics. And since it's February, we're gonna focus those topics on relationships. And so I would love to invite you to just join me in prayer this morning. So bow your head, close your eyes. First thing I wanna invite you to pray about is just to say thanks to God for the relationships that you have, for those friendships that you have, for those other relationships that we have. Just thank God for those things. Next, I wanna invite you to pray for our students. Friendships in middle school and high school can be hard. Dating relationships can be hard. Just be a prayer for them and those relationships that they have. Next, pray that God would put on your heart to be intentionally developing friendships. Not just conversations that talk about the weather and your favorite sports teams, but real friendships. Lastly, we wanna pray for marriages in our community, thanking God for the healthy marriages that we have, asking for his help and grace and forgiveness in those marriages that are struggling. And for those who want to be married but aren't, asking for peace and patience in God's timing as we go through all of that. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for making us and creating us to live in relationship with other people. God, this life is so much more full and so much more joyous because of the people we get to live it with. Sometimes it's more messy for that same reason. God, build in us hearts that genuinely care and love for those around us. Make us humble enough that we can 
ask for forgiveness when we've committed a wrong. God, help us to love and to see those who feel alone and to reach out and to invite them in the way you reached out to us and invited us into relationship with you. God, we live this way because of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the relationship that we can have with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you call Great Oaks home, this is the time in our service when we pause as an act of worship to give. And so there's three ways to do that. They'll be on the screen behind me. If you call Great Oaks home, we ask that you would give to the mission God has called us to in this place. But if you are a guest with us today, your presence is gift enough. Thank you for being here. Take a look at the screens. Well, good morning, and I hope you are as excited to be here as I am today. I'm a little fiery today, I've been told that. So uh, if I'm yelling, it's not that I'm yelling at you. I'm just really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Today is week one in our At the Core series. The goal of this series is to let you guys in on the work that a team we've called the Vision Team has been doing over the last year, showing the new mission statement and each of our new core values. But the most important part of this process is that it's going to reveal what's at the heart of Great Oaks. And these things will provide the foundation for us to build on as we continue to see how God is writing this next chapter in our history. In order to help us better understand, go ahead, pull out your phones, your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 6. We're going to dive right in today. If you want to follow along in the YouVersion Bible app, you can find the notes there. The words will also be on the screen. But Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 43. It says this, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus' words here teach that the actions and the words we speak as individuals come from what's inside of us at our core. This is exactly the same for churches. What we do comes out of the core of who we are as a church. And so as we unpack this series, what I want you to understand is the things that we begin to do as a church as we move forward are the fruit of this mission statement and these values. These values and this mission will determine how we do ministry how and where we invest our time, how and where we spend our money, and how we engage with our community and the world and the gospel. 
They're at the heart, as you will see in a minute, they're also the foundation on which we're building on. Now the truth is, I've been around the church for a long, long time. And I know that the worst word you can say in church is the C word. Nobody likes the C word. No one likes to hear that we're changing something, right? Now, I actually don't think that's true. I don't think most people hate change. I think we know that we have to change to adapt, to survive, to grow. But what I think oftentimes people like me in the church, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this, we forget to give time for people to grieve the loss that comes along with change. You see, because when we change, we begin to go this way and we are losing something that we've left behind. But if we can embrace and give people space to grieve that loss, I think change becomes a lot easier. So I want you to hear my heart. And I want you to know If you have questions about this process, how we arrived at these statements, where we might be going, I want to talk with you. I want to walk with you on this journey. And for some of you, you're like, ah, change around here. It happens every other day. We've been in constant change for three years. I don't even remember what normal used to be, so this is just another change. What the heck? I hope this is a better change than that. But if that's where you are, if you're like, I'm just change exhausted. I mean it. We want to walk with you. We want to help you grieve that process, grieve that loss. We do know, though, that we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep adapting if we're going to continue to reach our community. So before we get too far down the road, I do want you to know that I, this is not like, Jason's plan for Great Oaks. There's been a team of 10 people who have prayed, studied scripture, wrestled with words and how everybody would interpret those words for hours and hours and hours over the last year. I don't want to recognize them at this point. They're a team that was made up of staff. So from the staff, it was Chase Hill, Paul Seidel, Dave Queen, Kevin Boyle, and Tara Lindsay. From our leadership team, who makes up our, the, the team that leads us from volunteer lay leaders around here, Pat Deshaun, and then Holly Fig, Lindsay Hobbick, and Caitlin Moore were our at-large or people just in the congregation who spoke into this process. Can we pause and give them a round of applause for the work they've done? This is my way to make you happy about it, whether you are or not. I'm not going to tell you what work they've done. I'm going to make you applaud for them first. We also worked with an organization called the Clarity Project and Andrew Estes, who helped facilitate us through this process, both in person and on Zoom. And this process is where we believe God is leading us as we move into the future. So as we begin that this morning, I want to let you know what's not changing, because not everything is changing, all right? So we're going to build a little pyramid up here, and it's going to look great. The first thing that's not changing is our purpose. Plain and simple, we exist as a church to encourage each other to live out the truth of Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And it says this, 
This is the religious leaders talking to Jesus. Jesus. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The foundation of everything we do at Great Oaks rests on a commandment to love. To love God first and to love our neighbor second. It's with that attitude of love that we get the opportunity to share the greatest message the world has ever heard. John 3.16 says, "For for this is how God loves the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Church, we get to go out and do this. We get to go love our neighbor the way we've been loved by God with a message that he's inviting them on a journey. We get to walk with each other as they process this. Now, it might not have ever been stated this way, but this has been the purpose of Great Oaks for 26 years. Probably earlier than that because it probably started as a purpose in the planning planning stages. The other thing that's not changing is our 10 belief statements. You can find these on the website that's on the screen behind me. You can write that down and check them out. Each of these belief statements match up with the historic beliefs of the Christian church. Now, yes, if you read these, you're going to be like, these are really broad. Like just about anybody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus would believe these. You hit the nail on the head. That's the goal. We know that people are going to walk in here with different backgrounds, different experiences with the church. Some people are going to walk in here and they're not even going to know who Jesus is and we are so happy they're here. So we want to take the things that matter most and say, this is what we're all about. I call these the things we'll die for. So if you think about three circles, the middle of it, the target is the things we're going to die for. They're things... We can talk about them and we will engage in loving conversations and lovingly answer questions about these die beliefs, but we're not changing them. We're not changing our belief that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We're not changing our belief that the Bible reveals to us the character and nature of God. We're not changing our belief that God exists in a trinity, even though it like makes our mind explode to try to figure out what a trinity is and how you can be three complete people in one and, and not three. And so yeah, it messes with us. We're not changing our belief on those things. And that's what those 10 statements are. But we can defend a lot of things. And now a defend statement is something I'm really passionate about. You want to watch me get riled up? We, you would talk about our defend statements, right? Things we're, we're really passionate about, but we're still learning. We're still growing. Maybe they're, they're not essential. You could disagree with me here and we could still agree on who Jesus is. These are our defend statements. So example, a defend statement might be the way you view baptism. I think we would all say baptism is a necessary part of our spiritual growth. It helps us grow to be more like Jesus. All right, but how? Well, some of you would say, well, Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River, so I want to be fully immersed, put all the water on my body. I need to be fully immersed to be be truly baptized. Okay, great. Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River in the Middle East when it was warm. Anybody want to go get fully immersion baptized in the North Sea in January? 
So maybe sprinkling is okay. I'll take a little less water. I don't need to get it. No, no cutting the ice for me. We can agree to disagree. You can tell me why you think that and why I think this, and we can agree to disagree. But we're just defending those things. And then there's that outer circle, and that's disgust. These are things that maybe we're just not as interested in as individuals. We haven't done as much study on. We're still growing in our understanding of. We're open. We hold them real loosely. We're like, we'll talk about this. It makes fun conversation. But I'm not going def- to die on that hill. So as a staff, if you're curious what your staff talks about other than you, Monday through Thursday, I'm just kidding. Okay, not really, but kind of. You got- it's, it's, it's okay to laugh. We're in church. We can have fun, right? So um, we talk a lot about spiritual gifts. So do the miraculous spiritual gifts still exist? There are, is there, what is tongues? Is it a gift of speaking? Is it a gift of listening? Does God still miraculously heal people the way he did in the Old and New Testament? How does all that work? We'll talk about that. There's different views on the staff Uh, You can tell which staff members probably more naturally hold loosely to things and which staff members probably more naturally hold tightly to things. But we have great lively discussion around this. And we're not like going to be like, you're wrong, I can't talk to you anymore, right? What I want you to know about this die, defend, discuss, and what I think is most important. These are circles or hills. My die hill, my defend hill, my discuss hill. They are never intended to be hammers. I don't get to take the item that I will die on and beat you over the head with it. Because our purpose is love. So the truth is, you can come in here and be like, Jason, I read those 10 statements. I disagree. Let's talk. I want to hear what you have to say. I may not change my stance. If it's one of the 10 things, I'm probably not going to. But it doesn't mean I don't want to have a conversation with you about it. It doesn't mean I don't want to hear how you're struggling. And then I want you to hear my response as we dialogue and we talk about those things. And we can't take our defense and start beating people with what we want to defend and make them believe those things. If you remember back a couple months, we walked through the book of Galatians. And in there, we taught you a math formula. This is, nine o'clock did pretty well. Let's see how 1045 does. Jesus plus equals, all right, not bad. You guys are, you guys are with me. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? So if that's true, I'm going to love you no matter where you are in these statements. I'm going to have open conversation and dialogue with you. But the beliefs are not changing. Our purpose and our mission are the absolute core of everything we do. Our purpose and our beliefs are the absolute core of everything we do. They are why we exist. And they're half the question of who we are. The second half of the who we are question is answered by what we value. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we're going to... Throw a lot of information at you today. You're getting a lot of information. And so I don't want you to get lost in it, but come back next week. This is our hook. Come back next week. You'll see what our six new values are. These are the first things that are changing. But even in that, they're not really changing. What I found was you actually had values. You hid them really, really, really well. 
I interviewed here. I read your whole website. I read your belief statement. I read your denominational belief statement. I didn't know that values were something Great Oaks had processed through before. Until six weeks ago, somebody walked into my office, gave me a bulletin from 2011 and 2012, and it had values in it. I was like, there were values? I didn't know there were values. So we want to make sure they don't get hidden. And what I'm going to tell you about the new values, we went from five to six, little, little uh, teaser there for you. They're all pretty much the same. They're just stated differently. The next. So we've answered why we exist, who we are. Next is our mission. And our mission is simply this. It is what we do no matter what we do. When we talk about our mission statement, we are living this purpose out no matter what we're doing. It's going to be relevant in everything we do. Now, your values and your mission aren't going to change very often, right? As we talk about that, it's not going to change very often. We're going to unpack exactly what that statement is in just a minute. To best my research, Great Oaks has had three mission statements in 26 years. So somewhere around a new mission statement every decade. That's not super often. And what I want you to understand is as we build this pyramid that's called a vision culture pyramid, yes, I stole that like an artist stole it, right? So these four things, God is determining. This is based on the greatest commandment. These, if you go home and look at them, have four to five verses with every one of our belief statements. Our value statements are bathed in scripture. You'll see it each week as we walk through this series. And our mission statement, every church's mission statement, almost every church's mission statement, based off the Great Commission, rebranded to fit our local context, to be a little catchy, but it's a restatement of the, of the greatest commandment. Those four pieces, God determines. And to disagree with those is really to say, uh, you know, I think I'm going to disagree with God. That's on you. You have that conversation. I'm not ready for that yet. The last two pieces, though, they change quite a bit. Strategy. How are we going to live out this mission? How are we going to accomplish our mission? That's our strategy. Strategy has to change probably every five to seven years, maybe every four to six, right? It te- if you want an example... How many churches do you know in January of 2020 who had great online services? Not very many. And you can talk about whether an online service is something we should still have or not. That's great. We're just talking strategy. But for us, we've decided it's the new front door. The old strategy used to be get a parking lot team. Make sure every new visitor is welcomed as soon as they get out of the car, thrown to the door. There's a, a person there to greet them at the door, walk them in. They feel comfortable. They feel greeted. Guess what? People have been watching us on average two months to a year online before they ever walk in this door. They know what they're walking into. They know where we stand on these things because they're checking us out. But that's just strategy. But strategy is what the church loves to fight over. We don't like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not this old. I know some of you think I'm really old. Chase isn't here. He thinks I'm like half dead. I'm not not sure why, 
In the 1970s, every church's strategy was red carpet will bring people to Jesus. No clue why they thought that, but man, we're gonna fight if you wanna change that carpet to blue. That's for the Methodists. Those people are nuts. We're not putting red carpet in our church. Right, we fight over strategy. We fight over who gets, over which age group gets the most money. We fight over how we're gonna use our building. We fight over strategy. Why a world outside that has no clue who Jesus is is like, I thought their purpose was love. What would it look like if we remembered that purpose, build everything off of that, and if we disagree on strategy, that's okay. My personal story is I left my last church because I disagreed on strategy. I wish them the best. They're doing fantastic right now. And I'm having a lot of fun in Illinois. We're both succeeding. We don't have to fight. Measures. How do we know if our strategy is working? This is the tool that measures to see if it's actually working, right? Now, what I don't want you to hear about measures, because some of us went to, oh, this is just about how much money and how many people. That's not our measures. Our strategy is to take someone who has no clue who Jesus is, no interest in Jesus whatsoever. And if that's you today, I am so glad you're here. Weird first Sunday to come to, but thanks for being here. It'll be great. You at least now know exactly what we're about. Who takes somebody straight from, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know what it means to follow him. And our strategy wants to take that person all the way over here and say, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I live every day of my life to follow Jesus. I love God and I love my neighbor. And our measures help us figure out how well we're doing at getting person from point A to point B. And honestly, our measures help us see where we are. Because some of us think we're there. I'll just say for me, I'm probably somewhere right here. How are we doing? So as we build this vision culture, I know this is a lot of nuts and bolts. Some of you are like, this is not a sermon, it's a TED talk. It's okay. So, I, so like, as we build the nuts and bolts of where we're at, this is what we're about. Because this matters, because if that's our foundation, if those two bottom things are our foundation, our strategies come out of that. They're the fruit of our roots, of our core, of what's at the heart. So in the minutes we have left this morning, I wanna walk you through the new mission statement. I told you it's based off of the greatest commandment that's found in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus said this. He came and told his disciples, I have, given, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's this final instruction that Jesus gives his disciples before he goes that most churches use as their mission statement. Why? 
I actually love the Greek of this passage. I don't get too into for it. I was horrible at languages in college, but every once in a while they're helpful. In this passage, what Jesus is saying is, as you're going, make disciples. As you're going about life, right? As you go to work, make disciples. As you go to your kids' sporting events, make disciples. As you go to school, make disciples. As you walk your community, make disciples. It's not like I work 40 hours, and then I go to my workshop, and I make disciples in my workshop, chiseling all the rough edges off all the people I don't like. (laughs) Made disciples, right? No, this is as we're going about every aspect of our daily life. We are making disciples. I want to pause for just a minute because I think we've missed what it means to be a disciple. See, we've twisted this invitation. When Jesus invited the disciples to come and follow them, he did not invite them to come to church, sit in a climate-controlled room in a fairly comfortable chair, listen to John the Baptist melt their face with an electric guitar solo, and while Mary and Elizabeth sang in beautiful three-part, two-part harmony. That's not what he invited them to. He invited them to lay down their nets and to follow him, to see what he did, to watch how he engaged people, to see the miracles he performed. That's what it means to be a disciple. Luke 8, 1. Jesus is preaching to the disciples and a crowd that's gathered. Jesus is the only preacher. One voice in Luke 8, 1. In Luke 9, 1, Jesus gathers the 12 together and sends them out to go perform miracles, to go tell others about him. That's 1 to 12 in one chapter. In Luke 10, 1, he sends out 72 followers to go perform miracles, to go tell people about him. We've gone from 1 to 72 in two chapters. Luke writes the book of Acts as well. In Acts chapter 1, verse 15, there's 120 people in the upper room after Jesus leaves who are now followers who are going out to tell others. In Acts 2, Peter preaches one sermon, 3,000 people. We went from 1 to 3,000. That's what it means to make disciples. And let me be clear, this means Jesus invited them to follow him before Peter made his confession that Jesus is the Messiah. It means he sent 72 people out to tell others about him before he taught them how to pray in Luke 11. He sent Peter, Peter, who would deny him, turn his back on him, draw a sword and cut the soldier's ear off because he wanted to overthrow the government. And Jesus takes Peter, And in one sermon, 3,000 people. To be a disciple doesn't mean you have it all figured out. To be a disciple doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. If it did, you should fire me today. Being a disciple means I'm going to follow. means I'm going to be intentional about growing. Being a disciple means I'm connected to Jesus and I'm learning from him. So when it comes to being a disciple at Great Oaks, we think it means this. Connecting everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. That's our mission statement. 
connecting everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. Okay, so we gotta memorize this, so let's start now. You say it with me, everybody wake up. If you've fallen asleep, it's time to wake up. Read what's on the screen, it'll be great. We believe that it's about connecting everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. We wanna invite our community to experience belonging, even before they believe, because we think that's what Jesus did. And we want them to see that as they have a sense of belonging, they're gonna grow faster than they ever thought possible. And did we know, did you know, you're designed with a purpose. Put in this community, in your neighborhood, for a reason. And God's gonna use each one of us, broken and flawed as we are, for his kingdom. Because it's not about us, it's about him. So I think there's four words we need to unpack and we'll do it quickly because I'm running out of time. My timer's working and it's getting short. First is connecting. I wanna encourage each one of you to go home this week. Pick a gospel and read it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You pick whichever one. You're like, tell me the shortest one. It's Mark. If you want the easiest assignment, go home, read Mark. If you're an overachiever, go home, read Matthew. It's the longest. If you're like, hey, I'm middle of the road. I'll be good with C average. James or John or Luke, you pick. What I want you to notice as you read that gospel this week, how is Jesus connecting with people? Where is he connecting with people? How's he listening to their story? How's he giving them space to ask their questions? What would happen if each one of us would intentionally connect with the people who live on the same block as us. Because let me be clear, this mission statement is not about just me doing this or just the staff doing this or just the leadership team or just our small group leaders. It's all of us together doing this. How would Metamora change? How would Germantown Hills change? How would Washington change? How would East Peoria change? How would Peoria change if we would begin to connect with the people who live on our block? How many blocks would be impacted if we intentionally said, hey, we're going to have everybody who lives on our block over for dinner to get to hear their story, to give them space to ask their questions, to invite them on a journey to figure out who Jesus is with us as we're still trying to figure it out as we're growing. Not to tell them all they've done wrong, but to invite them to discover, to connect. Second is Jesus. We're not Five Points Washington. We're not the YMCA. We're not simply a church that throws great parties. We're followers of Jesus on a mission to introduce as many people to Jesus as we possibly can as we're going about our days. We have the greatest message of hope that the world needs to hear. If that message has changed our lives, if we know we're loved by God, Our purpose then is to go out and to love our neighbor, to invite them in, to see how they connect with Jesus. And we do that best in the third word, in community. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time at all, you know it's hard to do things alone. 
Take Jesus out of it. How many of you are great at working out by yourself? I am horrible. I go to a gym because I need community. This week, I did not go much at all. I got text messages from people at the gym being like, hey, are you alive? Are you still okay? When we feel like we belong, like we fit in, something happens. Community matters because when we live in relationship with each other, our connection to Jesus can grow because we have a safe place to process hurt, to celebrate joy. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples in the Great Commission. I am with you always. The community we've built over the last three years as we walked this earth together is going to continue because I'm still going to be there and with you. We're not alone. We were designed to live in community. Now, community gets messy. Because the first word of this mission statement, or the second word, is connecting everyone. That means people that don't look like us, act like us, believe like us. It means no questions off, out of bounds. How would that change? If we could really have conversations. Community's messy, but it's worth it. It helps us grow. The truth is, if we're really honest, I have questions I want to ask that some of you think, that's a stupid question. And you have questions you want to ask that I'm like, why are you still asking that? Can we engage each other's questions? Can we engage questions from our coworkers and our neighbors? Can we make sure parents know they're not alone? This world's never been more isolated than it is right now. Church, what if we could connect in community? Fourth word, purpose. I don't want to spend a lot of time here because purpose is tied to one of our values as well. So we'll come back to that in a couple weeks. But as we think about our mission as a church, what kind of impact would we have on people's lives if we could help them and ourselves answer the question, what difference can I make? See, I think people are thirsty to answer that question. Do I matter? What difference can I have? Discovering our purpose is a key part of enjoying the life God's called us to live. But that purpose has to cut across the roles we play. My purpose has to impact my role as a husband, as a dad, as a son, as a pastor, as a friend, as an instructor. It has to cut through all of that and it has to be able to hold all of that intention. What's our purpose? We want to help people connect to that. It can be transformational in someone's life. So what we want to do, no matter what we do, is all about connecting everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. It's everyone's responsibility to do that, though. And we can't do it in a way that says, I've got it all figured out. Come, come watch me. But in a way that says, hey, I'm on a journey to figure out who Jesus is. Will you join me on that journey?
I am so, so excited to see what God has for us in this next chapter as we journey together on mission as we love our community the way we've been loved. I hope you are too. Let's pray. God, we're thankful. Thankful that in all we do, you love us. Enough to send your son to die for us. You called us and you brought us together. You knit us together in a way that shows we need to be in community. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done at Great Oaks over the last 26 years, for the ways you've blessed this place, for the ministry that's come out of this place. And God, I ask and pray as we take this next step forward, that we would see you at work in each of our lives, transforming the people we know, transforming our communities, not because we're great, but because you're amazing. God, bring us together and use us for your kingdom in this place. We pray all this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.